have the pleasure of um, preaching on Zacchaeus tonight, which is uh, my um, second favorite Bible character next to Zachariah. So it's a privilege. And uh, if you're watching online tonight, we're so glad uh, you're with us as well. And I'm um, just so privileged uh, to be here with you and to get into God's word tonight. Um, God's just put this message on my heart since we've been in this um, series um, called Come and See. Come and see. And um, this um, kind of theme started resonating um, in us around Christmas time when we were doing the Behold. If you're at Christmas, you would have remembered that. Oh, the Lord's here. All right. Here we go. Um, when, we, when we did that Behold at Christmas and then um, Mark led with the Come and See, you know, something was really just resonating with me. It was, it's been one of my favorite um, series that we've done so far. And, um, you know, I started thinking about Zacchaeus and, uh, all right. And I, um, have to start with a test today before I begin. Okay. It's an oral test. It's a fill in the blank, but I got to see who I'm working with today. So it goes like this. It goes, um, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man all right, okay, this is going to be a good night. All right, Zacchaeus was an interesting fella, and uh, ultimately he was a man who came and saw Jesus for himself, and his life was radically changed. So if you have your Bibles with you tonight, please join uh, with me in uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 1. I'll be reading in the NLT tonight. And uh, please forgive my voice. I'm not sure if I have uh, some delayed puberty stuff going on, but I promise um, I'm bringing God's word to you guys tonight. So uh, Luke 19, uh, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Father, I just thank you for your word tonight, God. As we dig in, God, would you dig into us, Lord? Would you um, penetrate our hearts and our mind with your word tonight, God? Would you speak to us? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. That wasn't the end, if you're getting excited about that. But uh, number one tonight, point number one, 
um, I want to look at in this, in this text is uh, going above the crowd. Going above the crowd. You know, there was news Jesus was coming through Jericho, which was kind of a big deal because uh, Jericho was considered a cursed town at that time. And a large crowd had gathered to see Jesus. And Zacchaeus, he was curious. He had heard about Jesus. He wanted to find out how true it was, who he was, what he was like, if these rumors were true. He went for it. He ran, climbing a tree. He had to get above the crowd to see. One thing that I really believe is that it's really hard to find him when you're caught up with what other people think. I'm sure people pointed and laughed when they saw a grown man climbing a tree. A man of his age running to find a spot to climb up. Not to mention in Jewish times, it was, it was just a disgrace to see a man run. I'm sure there was many there who thought he was just being foolish. But Zacchaeus didn't care. He wanted to see Jesus more than he cared about what other people thought. Fear of embarrassment went out the window for him. And reminded me of what Jesus said. Jesus says in Luke 9, 26, he says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. That verse has always struck a chord with me. Like, wow, I do not want to be ashamed now and definitely when that time comes. And I think the truth is going to set us free on this one. Is it true that Jesus is coming back to earth in his glory with his holy angels? Yes, it is. It is true. It's true that there's a living God. It's true that there's a heaven and a hell and an afterlife. There's true that there is sin and a cross and a resurrection. It's true. And regardless of what the world believes about that, it doesn't matter. Because it is true. And if we're the last ones standing, which we might in this generation, even uh, Romans 3 says, even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. Jesus always says, uh, excuse me, Jesus also says in Matthew 10, 32, Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Man, that's the category I want to end up in. I'm happy and honored to acknowledge Jesus here and now, that, that Jesus would acknowledge me before his Father in heaven. He also says in Matthew 19, 29, he says, And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. You know, sometimes there's a cost to following Christ. Jesus said, he actually said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. And so often we hear about relationships that are broken because someone chooses to follow Christ. 
Don't let the crowd affect your faith. Don't let it affect the way you live. Stand for what's true. Live for what's true. And you'll see Jesus like you never have before. He also says in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5.11, he says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Does anybody want to be blessed by God today? You know, all of this reminds me of a quote I heard from C.S. Lewis. It says this, When the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. Isn't that great? That's 2024 for you right there. Leave the crowd. Let go of the pressures and the ideals. Get out of the direction this world is heading and come to Christ. Come to Christ. And I'll tell you something else, that when we get past all that embarrassment, uncomfortableness of acknowledging that we are a Christ follower, when we get past that, we start to want people to notice. We start to pray for opportunities to share what's been given to us. And God works through us. When we come to the place where we say, hey, this is me. This is who I am. This is who I'm called to be. And nothing will ever change that. Get above the crowd. Number two uh, tonight is following hard after God. Following hard after God is actually um, uh, the first chapter of a book called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. And it was, I was so expi- uh, inspired when I read that book for the first time. I, I kind of had just come back to the faith. And um, this book was put in my hands, probably by my wife. And, um, <laughs> and she's always been the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life anyways. But um, that chapter just blew my mind because it says, hey, you know, you can go after God. You can pursue him. You can seek him out and you can find him. It was a beautiful, beautiful um, experience I had reading that. And we see Zacchaeus, you know, he made a great effort to, to see Christ. The Bible says he ran. He ran. Do you know the stats say that only 1% of people over the age of 30 ever run again? Anybody here ever sprint lately? <laughs> Did you know that um, he climbed a tree? He climbed a tree. When's the last time you climbed a tree? When's the, la- <laughs> When's the last time you climbed anything? Me too. Me too. You know, I'm sure Zacchaeus, he struggled a bit going up that tree. I bet you he groaned his way up there. Maybe his sl- sandal slipped and the tree bark roughed him up a bit. What caused him to make that effort? What was it? I want that. I need that. This wonderful fellow up on the screen behind me, his name's uh, Matthew Henry. Doesn't he look like a fun character? <laughs> he actually wrote a whole commentary on the Bible. I think it's like 12 massive books. A brilliant man. He said this. He said, those that sincerely desire a sight of Christ 
will use the proper means for having a sight of him and will break through a great deal of difficulty and opposition and be willing to take pains to see him. Those who find themselves little must take all the advantages they can to get easier themselves to a sight of Christ and not to be ashamed to own that they need him. Isn't that awesome? Man, what a blessing it is to be in that place where we're not ashamed to own that we need him. Man, it's a good place to be. What's that look like for us? What's that look like to to get to a spot of having a better view, a, a better sight of Christ? There's some practical things we can do. Digging into his word, taking time to pray, time to worship, joining a Bible study. There's a couple floating around here. Listening to great sermons. You can check out Mark and Gary anytime online. Every advantage to gain a better sight of him. When we say in this series, you know, come and see, come and see, we're definitely not saying, come and see us. (laughs) We're definitely not saying that. We're not saying show up here at 10 o'clock and and hear, or 7 o'clock, excuse me, uh, and hear a sermon by men who may let you down. It's about going home, climbing your own tree, and taking hold of the one who will never let you down. That's what the invitation here is tonight. Will we be a church? Will we be a people who said like David, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. You know, it was so interesting to me preparing this just Uh, A chapter before here was the rich young ruler. And we don't know much about this fellow except that he was just kind of in the right place or the right time to see Jesus. And um, this rich young ruler, he had a lot going for him. He didn't need anything. And um, he thought he was a pretty good guy. He followed all the rules. He let Jesus know, I do this, I do that. I'm a a good guy. I I got everything. What else do I need? And Jesus said, you're right, you are pretty good. All you need to do is just get rid of all your stuff. And his face went down, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And I I couldn't help but wonder, you know, if he was just wondering if Jesus would, you know, be a good add-on to his life. If he wasn't really in a place where he was willing to, to really seek him, a life change, to give up anything, he was just thinking, man, this, this might be the last add-on that I need in my life. It's so important that we don't just consider the Lord an add-on to our life, that we deeply regard him as so much more, not just the time slot in our busy schedule, but that we would turn to him with our whole heart and our mind and our soul and with our dreams and hopes and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Have your way in my life. It's vital that we as a church and as individuals passionately seek Jesus. And in that process of seeking him, like Tozer said, we realize we're already in his hand and we find him there. We find him there. I notice also going along here that there are many in the Bible who have passionately, wholeheartedly cried out to God cried out to God. There were so many. There was a Gentile woman whose daughter was demon-possessed. 
we read at Young Adults this week, and if you're reading through the New Testament, you would have seen it. What an exchange that was. She cried out, cried out, wouldn't take no for an answer. Even Jesus himself, he gave her a bit of a hard time, but her faith was so strong, she pushed through, pushed through, and she found him there. She met him there. There's so many. There was a blind fella crying out, King of David, King of David, have mercy on me, crying out to the Lord. People say, get back, get back. He doesn't care about you. Boom. Face to face with the Lord. There are so many examples of this in the Bible. Crying out wholeheartedly to the Lord. And it doesn't always have to be in need. It could be curiosity. It could be hunger. But when that cry from the, our core is, is, is led out to him, man, I'll tell you, cool things happen. Many of you know uh, me, <laughs> and um, we have three kids, and uh, many of you know this story, but it's worth saying again tonight. Um, we had a little girl. Uh, she was born with something called gastroschisis. She was in the hospital for almost three months when she was um, born, and it was just a long story, a terrible, terrible experience, but God was good, and we brought her home, and she's uh, been wonderful. Um, and a year later, just a year later, um, after we brought her home, um, we were pregnant again. Funny how that happens. And we went to the hospital for our first um, ultrasound, and we got a phone call. And it was the same people from McMaster that called us and said, there's another problem with this baby. And um, I just got home from work, and my wife shared the news with me, and I just, like, could not believe this was happening again. Like, it was like a nightmare. It really was. And I was overwhelmed with just, with even the thought of having to go through this sort of thing again. The same doctors, the same appointments, over and over and over again. I remember just having tunnel vision uh, that evening. And all I knew is that I just needed to get up early in the morning and go on a walk. I had to get away. And uh, I didn't know what I needed to do, but I needed to do that. And so in the morning, I got up and I walked out the door. And I didn't bring my phone or my headphones or anything with me. We were living in Caledonia at the time. And I was walking down the river trail. And it was about a couple minutes into the walk. I really couldn't stand it anymore. And I started really basically yell praying to God. I was so upset and I was letting him know about it. I was letting him know that I couldn't believe this was happening again. I thought I was doing good and you're letting this happen again. And I'm giving him all these reasons why I think this should not happen. And I'm really just giving him all that I got. Everything. I was letting him have it to the best of my ability with reverence. And... After I was done that, I felt a small voice inside say, are you done? (laughs) And I said, I guess. And in that moment, the Lord spoke the most beautiful things to me. He met me there early that morning. And the words that he spoke was that still small voice, and it was scripture. 
It was nothing new. It was, I know the plans that I have for you. You don't know how I'm going to use this. You don't see it all. I see it all. I'm going to use it for good. I'm going to take care of you. And on and on it went. And man, I got to be honest, I'm crying out there by myself in this field with all this going on. And I said to the Lord, I said, God, if you're with me, I know this is, this is like kind of immature, but would you just show me that you're with me? And as I'm walking, the wind's blowing and everything's rustling. Those words came out of my mouth and everything stopped and was dead quiet. And it was exactly what I needed. So I go home and my wife's up and I said, baby, it's going to be all good. It's going to be all good. I don't see it. I don't see it. But it was exactly what we meant. And, you know, we, 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 it wasn't an easy road. We made it through. And he was with us every step of the way. But I learned something that day, like I've learned before and other times. And we come to him wholeheartedly, passionately, cry out to him. Man, it's like he, he sees that he meets us. Whatever the reason, if we're curious, if we're fed up, if we're hurt, if we're down, we, we, we just passionately come to him and he meets us. Number three tonight is um, being a child of faith. Being a child of faith. You know, as we, as we see in this story, something significant happened to Zacchaeus. It wasn't that he was way up in a tree, although it was part of it. Something happened in this exchange with him. He was up there. Jesus comes by. Jesus looks up at him calls him by name, as if to say, yeah, I know you. I know all about you. How are you? What are you doing up there? And he says, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And I think that was the moment. He knew his name. The invitation was there. He knew. He'd probably seen an awesome look in the Lord's eyes, and something happened in here. Zacchaeus jumped down. He, he hustled down took Jesus to his house. Something happened to Zacchaeus. We see that Zacchaeus said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. If I've cheated people, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. What's a true son of Abraham? What is a true son of Abraham? You know, Abraham is known as the father of Israel. Literally, the descendants of Abraham make up the people of Israel. But everybody there kind of was, and so that wasn't it. What did he mean, a true son of Israel? Excuse me, of Abraham. Well, Abraham is also known for his faith in the Bible. God spoke to him one night. He said, go look at the stars, and this is what I'm going to do. And Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And Zacchaeus was a true son of Abraham because he had acted in faith. He had not just believed, but he acted on his faith. You know, only two times in the Bible does it say that Jesus was amazed. 
The first time is when he was amazed by the faith of the centurion in Luke 7. And the second time, he was amazed by the lack of faith from his own people in Mark 6. Mark 6. I feel like he's not only amazed, like I said, because they believe, but because these people, they bank their whole life on it. They're acting on their faith. They're putting it all on the truth of who he is. We see that Zacchaeus, he gave away all he owned. He had a genuine conversion. He experienced true salvation. And it wasn't because he gave away all his stuff. That's not what saved him. That's not what it was. That was just the result. It was his heart. Jesus met Zacchaeus right at the core of his heart, a man that had spent years collecting, pressuring, threatening, lying, stealing. His greed was strong, almost cruel. Jesus didn't ask him to give anything away. I believe it was just a natural response to something that already happened. In a moment, he experienced what it's like to know God and be known by him. He said, I don't care what I lose. I already found everything I'm ever going to need. It was his faith. That's what drove him up that tree. You know, we're all creatures of faith. Whether you know it or not, we all put our beliefs in something. When I go to the ATM, most of the time, I believe money's going to come out. (laughs) We put our money away. We believe that it's going to grow. When I start my car engine in the morning, I believe that it's going to fire up. Every day, we put our faith in, in, in something. Can I just tell you that the best decisions I've ever made in my life I've made based on my faith, based on what I believe God says to be true. Big and small, those are the best decisions I've ever made. Every time. Every time. Do you know that because of what Jesus did in the Bible, um, did the, the Bible says that we can boldly enter into the throne room of God? When we cry out to him, when we passionately respond to him, you know what he sees? He sees faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And by faith, I'm not talking about believing for a Ferrari or believing for a trip to Mexico. I'm talking about believing to see God Almighty show up in your life. And he does, and he will, and there's nothing like it. There's no one like him. You may be singing, wow, that sounds pretty wild. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. Nearly every person mentioned in the Bible knew God in a real way. In uh, finishing tonight, I just have a couple verses for us. In um, Hebrews 12, 27 to 28, this is a great verse for our day and age. It says that, This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. And I love this. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. It's time to put all your faith and all your trust in the one who will never be shaken. It's time. As the um, ushers come forward and we prepare our hearts for communion tonight,
One last example of faith was this fellow named Thomas. Thomas, he was the doubter of the bunch. He said, ah, man, I don't know about all this. I'm going to need some evidence. I'm going to need something more than, than, than just all these stories. So Jesus shows up, resurrected. And he shows Thomas his wounds. He says, Thomas, come put your finger in here. How's that for evidence? Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him this. This is amazing. He said, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's us. As we um, hand out the elements, I want to read you guys a verse from 1 Peter. If you want to go there with me, you're welcome to. 1 Peter um, chapter 1, verse 8. This really spoke to me as I was just praying and, and preparing for um, communion tonight. It says, you know, as we hold these elements tonight and we think about the Lord and we think about his message and his word and, and what's to come. First Peter says this, says you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Verse 9 goes on to say, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Of your souls. You know, one day soon and very soon, we're going to see him. We're going to see him face to face. And the reason that we do communion. The reason why we do this is that we're proclaiming his death until he returns. We hold on. We put our faith and our trust in what he's done on the cross. That because he loved us, we can have eternal life and know him for eternity. And we can know him here and now. Would you please join me in taking the elements? Lord Jesus, we thank you, God. We thank you for the gift of knowing you. We thank you for the gift of life, God. And I just thank you um, for what you're doing in this community, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is honored here, God. Would we be a people that continue to seek your face, Father, to know you? Thank you that you know us, Father. You know every detail of our story. You love us the same, God. Thank you that we're always in the palm of your hand, Jesus. God, it's so great to know you. We love you, Jesus. We're excited to see you face to face, God. And we know that no matter how hard this world gets shaken, God, that our faith and our trust is in you that can never be shaken. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. Amen.